All right, go ahead and grab your Bible, take out something to take notes with this morning. Go ahead and open up to the book of, anybody have any guesses? Exodus. Nobody wins. Man, sound keeps doing that pop thing and we can't figure out what it is. But can anybody get over it? I can. Take out something to take notes with this morning. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and call out something really embarrassing in case anybody notices. When the weather changes, sometimes my nose starts to bleed, and that just started happening. So I'm going to be sniffling, and I've got a uh, paper towel up my nose right now in case you're wondering. I was like, God, please, just not, not while I preach. Here we are. So happy 2019. So if anything starts to drip, just tell me. That's gross, but hey, we're family, right? <laughs> Last week, we started a series. Uh, I preached a message called Do Not Hold Back. Lindsay was here. I said I preached a message called Do Not Hold Back. This is God's word for us for 2019. We believe church is a participation sport. Somebody said amen. This isn't just me up here talking head like we're in this together, right? So God's speaking to us this year. Do not hold back. We believe God wants to do something with us this year. God wants to do something with you this year. And uh, the, only, the only requirement is don't hold back. Don't hold back from him. He's ready to do it if you're ready to let him. Amen? Do not hold back. And last week, I hope I got you fired up. I hope I got you encouraged. I hope you left thinking, man, I'm not going to hold back. Holding back sounds lame, and I'm not lame, so I'm not going to hold back. But I don't want us to spend January shouting about not holding back and then spend February through December doing it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to just get you fired up. I want to take these next couple of weeks to equip you and not just shout at you, hey, don't hold back. But I want to equip you on the things that are going to make you hold back this year. So that you don't get caught off guard. You don't get surprised by the things that, that, that once, the, once, the, once the high wears off, like it probably wore off about after lunch last week. You need something more than just something exciting, something more than just something encouraging. You need to know what it is, the things that are going to hold you back. Because if God's telling us do not hold back, it must be that our tendency is to hold back. I don't have to tell my kids to not do something that isn't their tendency to do, right? If God's saying do not hold back, it must be that our tendency is to hold back. And I had you open up to the book of Exodus this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about a little, a little character in the Bible you may have heard of before called Moses. Anybody say Moses? Anybody ever heard of Moses? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Moses. Moses is a big deal. He's a big deal in the Bible. He's a big deal, you know, like Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, Moses, right? Like, man, he's, a, he's on the list, like the list. Hebrews 11, Moses. You've heard of Exodus chapter 14, Moses. The one, you know, where he, he was leading like a million people to freedom. And then there was, a, there was a, like a lake or a sea in the way. And so God said, stretch out your hand over this body of water. And so he did. And God responded. And he split this whole lake into two. And the whole nation walked by on dry ground. And then when he got to the other side, God said, don't run off yet. I want you to turn around. Stretch your hand back over the sea you just came through. And what I just brought you through is going to serve to drown the army pursuing you. And it collapses and it takes out the greatest army on planet earth. You know that, Moses? 
You know the Moses, Exodus 7 through 12, the one who, who he would just pray, and then God would send these crazy plagues, and they brought the greatest nation on earth to its knees and let free their whole slave force like that. Moses, you've heard of Moses. You know Moses. But I don't want to talk about that Moses. I don't want to talk about that Moses this year because there, there's, a, there's a lot to admire about Moses as you go through his highlight reel. But it can be hard to relate sometimes to people's highlight reels. Anybody? What I'm trying to say is it, it's a little discouraging sometimes to look at somebody else's Instagram. It can be hard to relate with somebody else's highlight reel. And I want to talk about Exodus chapter 3, Moses, this morning. Exodus chapter 3, Moses. The, the, the behind the scenes, Moses. The story before the story, Moses. And I want to see if there might be anything in the behind the scenes story before the story, Exodus chapter 3, Moses, that might be a little bit more relatable to you and me. I haven't split any seas recently, drowned any armies, sent any plagues. If you're anything like me, you are really good at taking somebody else's highlight reel and comparing it to your own behind the scenes. You're really good at looking at somebody else's Instagram and then looking at your own real life and comparing the two A to B, and they are drastically different. And you generally don't come out on the right side of that thought process. If you're anything like me, that is. I don't want to project that on you. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> and then you see all these people living their highlight real lives, or you read the Bible, you read the Hebrews 11 list of the hall of faith, or you come to church and you see the, the Hebrews 11 type of faith people in your life, you know, the ones who like have it all together, and the ones who do it all right, and like the ones that have the highlight reel, you know, like it's, it's we're moving on from Instagram now, it's like real life, but it's the church version, and, and everybody else, you, you look around and you start to see their highlight reels, and then God shows up into your life, and like you come to church last week, and you hear a message about, man, God wants to use you, it doesn't matter if you're barren, God can bring babies, don't hold back, and you're like, yeah. Not gonna hold back 2019. <laughs> and then you go to lunch, and then you go to work, and then a few days pass by, and you've seen a few people's highlight reels, or maybe more than seeing a few people's highlight reels, you've just seen you. You've just seen your behind the scenes. You've seen your behind the scenes, and now all of a sudden God has spoken something to you. He has begun to lead you into something. He's begun to take you into something. But what starts playing in your mind is not what God's calling you to do, but how somebody else would probably do it better. You start thinking about all of these highlight real people in your life. You start thinking about how, how, how you've heard of other people respond to God, and you're like, I don't know if I could respond to God like that. But I heard somebody else did it one time, and they were amazing, and I'm not amazing. But that... they. They would probably respond a whole lot better. You, you start thinking about the things that you heard about what other people did. Or, or you see what other people are doing. You see how other people did it all right. Like you, you read the highlight reel of somebody else. Now everybody else, you look around and think, man, everybody else has their whole life a lot more together than me. If you're in your 20s, somebody say amen. Because I know you think it every day. Anybody not in your 20s think that every once in a while? Man, everybody else has this stuff all together. And then there's me. And then there's me. God speaks. You get fired up. 
then you start looking around and you hold back. I wasn't going to hold back, but now I'm holding back. You hold back because there's this conclusion that you come to after you watch that movie in your mind. And the conclusion that you come to at the end of your movie, at the end of your behind the scenes reel that's going through your head all the time is a real simple conclusion and it's just, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. God, that, that sounds awesome. That's great, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And that's my title for today. I want you to write that at the top of your notes. Do not hold back. Part two, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. This is part two of do not hold back because this is the thing, the number one thing, the first thing that's going to hold you back this year is this conclusion after you watch your movie, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I want to read Exodus 3 verses 1 through 11. If uh, you don't have a Bible, there's one in the bottom of your seat or underneath your seat, however we say that, and you're allowed to keep it, read it today, take it with you, read it and put it back, use it next week. Oh, I thought we were allowed to have fun in church. <laughs> Apparently not. We'll get really serious real soon, I promise. It's going to be really boring and all kinds of stuff. You'll... <laughs> if you're there, say, I'm there. <laughs> Hebrew, or Hebrews, we're not in Hebrews, we're in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Let me fix my issue. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Would anybody else be confused? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Sounded just like that. And Moses said, here I am. And then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out, of the out to a land, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring out my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And everybody said, yeah! yeah! And then verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Before Moses was one of God's powerhouses, you know, like Hebrews 11, Exodus 14. Moses, before he 
was Moses. Before he was a powerhouse, he uh, saw a big problem. And he had, a, he had a big problem. He had a big problem with God's plan for his life. And this problem that Moses saw with God's plan for his life was trying to hold Moses back from what God was calling him to. Everybody said, boo. Boo, don't hold back, Moses. Don't do it. You ever do that when you're watching a movie? You're like, don't go there. Don't go through that door. All right, I forgot. No fun allowed. Okay. Moses saw a big problem with God's plan. But the problem that Moses saw, here's what it wasn't. The problem with the plan wasn't the plan. It was a great plan. Great plan. Set people free. Absolutely, God. I am so into that. That great plan. The problem wasn't the power. The power to do the plan. I mean, he's sitting there talking to a bush that's not burning, that's talking to him. The power's not the problem, right? Like, if he can do that, I think we can navigate the whole set people free thing. It's not the plan, it's not the power, and the problem for sure wasn't with the planner. God. God, I am the God of your father. The God, I mean, how much beggar of an introduction do you get? Like, this is God, and Moses was afraid to look at the face of God. The problem with the plan was the person being selected to execute the plan. See, the problem that Moses saw was Moses. And I, and I wonder if, if what has you frustrated with God, frustrated and discouraged that you're not more clear on what God wants of you, you're not more clear on what, what God is, is trying to lead you to do. I wonder what, what, what might be making you feel like you can't hear clearly what God is speaking into your life and feel it makes you feel like he's holding back on you, that he's dangling that carrot in front of you because everybody else has their will of God for their life figured out except you. Like you're the one who doesn't have all together and it's probably because you have this one thing that you keep messing up and so he's waiting. That, that thing, like I wonder if that thing that makes you feel all that, that's got you frustrated, isn't actually what you don't know about about God's plan it's that you don't think you're ready for the plan that God has given you I wonder if what you're really frustrated about is you I mean again this could just be me maybe this is like therapy for me today but I, I got some things that I relate to Moses with when it comes to doing the thing that God puts in front of me but at the core of it again I, I mean, it could be me but at my core my real problem with God's plan for my life isn't that I need more understanding or that I need more clarity or that God needs to do another thing in my life. My biggest problem with God's plan for my life is that it includes me. I'm the bottleneck here, man. There have been times where I've been so frustrated, so frustrated with God. Years so confused. God, I, I feel like you have something, you want to do something with my life. You, you want to do something with me, and, and, and it's going to be great. You want to do it. But I don't know what it is. Could you just tell me what it is? I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. And, and I got so mad at God, so discouraged thinking I was the one he wouldn't talk to, thinking I was the one chasing the carrot when everybody else could catch it. So frustrated. I was really frustrated with me. And I, and I was just projecting all of the things on God.
that I just didn't want to deal with about myself. Like, I messed up again, you know? Like, okay, God, like, you got to call for my life. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to do this. I'm going to not do that. I'm not going to go there again. And then there I go again, right? Like, I'm going to catch this carrot, man. I'm going to chase that thing down. And then I trip and fall. Or then I just take myself and jump off the deep end all my, my own self. I didn't trip or stumble. Like, I just, anybody ever? And called it stumbled? <laughs> Come on, man. It might just be me. But I mess up again. And I get so frustrated with myself. But I blame God for not doing something about it. God, if you would have, if you would just, I need a, it's really it's just me. Things are hard. You start going down the thing that God called you to and it's hard. Or, or, or it doesn't go perfectly. Uh, like, you know, there, there happens to be other human beings involved. And so there's conflict. And there's disappointment. And there's frustration. And of course, it's everybody else's fault. If they would just get in line, then we could do it. Okay, it's just me. It's just me that doesn't have all the problems. All right. That's how it's going to be this year, Chad. <laughs> Things are frustrating. Things are hard. Instead of just dealing with it, I just blame God. I blame God. I didn't, clearly, I didn't hear God right. Clearly, God's not speaking. Because if this is what God said to do, it clearly wouldn't be this hard. It wouldn't be this frustrating. It would be a whole lot faster, a whole lot easier, and a whole lot cheaper. If God spoke it, clearly God's not speaking. God, why won't you say something? God, I need a word. It's just me. We can get so frustrated with God for not speaking when the truth is that we're actually hearing Him loud and clear. He's given you the answer to your question. He's given you the next step you need to take. He's leading you in the direction you just need to go, but you don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I don't like it because you think it's requiring something of you that you're not ready for. You think that what God's asking you to do isn't capable of being done by you. You're not ready. You're not ready. He's requiring a change I can't make, a sacrifice I can't make, a decision I can't make. This isn't fair. This isn't right. God, what's your deal? Your problem isn't that God isn't speaking. Your problem is that you don't think you're ready for what he said. I'm not ready, God. I need a word, not that one. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I don't mean to make it sound like it's not legit sometimes, right? When God spoke to Moses, Moses loved the plan. He agreed this plan is a good plan, is a plan that needs to happen, this has to go, somebody's gotta do it, but I, the one thing I do know is that it's gotta be somebody else. You should totally send someone to do that, God. I don't know who, but definitely not me. But that's a great plan. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think there are a lot of things that we believe God wants to do. We agree with God that they need to be done and he should totally send someone to do it, but not you, because you're not ready. Somebody else is. Okay, again, this could just be me. So far it's been just me this whole time. But does anybody else have like those prototypical spiritual people who like, maybe they live in real life, maybe they don't, but they for sure live in your imagination. 
you know, like the perfect ones. You know who I'm talking about. So like maybe there are real people in your life that fit this description. Maybe there isn't. Maybe you don't actually know who these people are, but you know that they're out there. Like I've never seen this person, but they're there. Like that, that guy, that girl, they exist. Like I heard about somebody maybe one time who was that person, and they are for real, man. Like that's the one. You know, you, you don't know a whole lot about them, but you do know that they're capable of doing really great things for God. They probably pray a lot and like don't watch as much Netflix as you, right? You're like, ah, you know, like they probably just pray so much and like, ah, they're so good and they probably like raise their hands more than me in worship and all that kind of stuff and like listen to more worship than I do and like they don't listen to like the Friday Spotify playlist. Like they're just so amazing. Those people, they're out there, and it's been, like, years since they, like, really sinned. You know, like, if you ask them, and they're like, oh, my gosh, do you ever sin? They're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. And then they tell you what it was, and you're like, that's not sin. That's not, my, that's not a sin for me. That's what I call a breakthrough. You know, that person, those people. That person that you may or may not know, you may or may not be able to point to, but what you do know is that that person is out there and that you know that that person is not you. You are not that person. Maybe it's just me. Great plan, God. You should totally do that. But who am I? Who, who, who am I? You read the rest of chapter 3 in Exodus and the first half of chapter 4, there's a conversation that unfolds between God and Moses where Moses recommends to God the perfect person that God needs to send to do this thing that God needs to do, that Moses agrees with needs to be done. He's just not the one to do it. But he knows a guy. Moses knows a guy. He doesn't give a name. Uh, I, I feel like if Moses was confident enough to give this rebuttal, had he known the person's name, he would have given it. So Moses is, Moses is all up in his feelings right now. He's all up in there suggesting this guy, who do, he doesn't know what his name is, but he knows he's out there. And so he's like, God, great plan. You should do it. I'm with you. You dialed the wrong number, but let me help you out here. Let me help you out because I'm in. I'm in, man. Like, I'm in. You should totally call this other guy. I'm in. If I was a betting man, I would be willing to bet that this person that Moses recommended might just turn out to be the exact same person that you recommend to God all the time too. Maybe it's just me. And people need to follow this guy. And once my issues come up, they're going to get distracted with those issues instead of following what you said. See, I'm just looking out for you, God. You need somebody a little bit more presentable than me. It's not me. And I don't know who this is, but they're a little bit more presentable than me. And if you go down just a few more verses, in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 4, we hear Moses' final plea, because God seems to rebut all of his excuses. He said, they're not going to believe you. Let me turn that staff into a snake and then back into a staff again. Let me turn your hand into leprosy and then back into a brand new hand again. And I think if they see that, they'll believe that. He said, I'm not eloquent, Lord. You need somebody more presentable. I got issues. He says, who's the God of your tongue? I'm the God of you, even your issues. I can handle it. And Moses is like, dang it. <laughs> and so finally, he comes out in verse 13. He says, God, you don't need me. You need somebody a little, uh, a little like more not me. 
And you, you need someone a little more not you. You don't know who it is, but just more not you. Verse 13, he says this. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. I was like, hey, I got this problem. I'm not worried about it. I got this problem. I'm not worried about it. I got this problem. I'm not worried about it. Okay, fine. Just send somebody else. Like whoever you need, they're out there and they're not me. That's the problem. It's not me. More, less of me. Like not so much Moses in this plan. And that's a great plan, God. You should do that. You should send somebody. Right? And God speaks to you and you're like, yeah, God, somebody should do that. But just somebody a little less like you should do that. God, my biggest plan for your life or for my life is the part where it involves me. I'm not sure if you know me, but I know me. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. This last objection that Moses brings up here in this whole conversation, it really bookends the whole, the whole conversation. It brings it back full circle to the very first response that Moses gave to God when he brings up this great plan. He, he, Moses is really summing it up. He's coming back to, to the bottom line here because the, the objections that, that Moses was making, they're all surface level things, you know, and this is true for you. Uh, well, I won't project on you. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me, but the objections that I give to God about why I'm not ready, they're really just surface level things. Like I come up with the thing about me that's not credible enough, the thing that's not presentable enough, the thing that just needs less of me sprinkled in it and then it'd be pretty good, but there's too much of me and it needs more or less of me, you know? Like I come up with these things, but they're all surface level. Most of the reasons that you give God, the reasons that you recommend other people to God to do the things that he's calling you to do, the reasons that you give God while you aren't ready are surface level and they're really covering up the root of your conclusion. The root of your conclusion that regardless of what God has spoken to you, you have concluded you are not ready for it. The problem really has nothing to do with God, with what God's saying. You're the problem. And that's the root issue here is like, God, you can fix me all day long, but I'm still part of the plan. In Exodus 3.11, Moses starts the conversation and it ends the same way. Who am I? Who am I? This is the root of Moses' real problem in this whole thing. And all the objections, they're, they're just layered on top of this question that he asks initially, and God eventually digs all the way back down to the bottom of the barrel, and it was on the top, and it's on the bottom, and it's on the top of you, and it's on the bottom of you, it's on the surface, it's in your guts. Who am I? Who am I? Great plan, but who, who am I? I'm not ready for that. You don't actually hold back because you don't know if you're prepared. You hold back because you don't know who you are. A lot more people need to write that down than did. You don't hold back because you don't know if you're prepared. You hold back because you don't know who you are. And Isaiah 54, I think it's really bold of God to show up to a barren woman and prophesy babies. I know we didn't really hit on that part last week, but just zoom out a second. That's audacious of God to step in and go there. You know, like he hits on the deepest place of pain that she's carrying. 
His promise hits that deepest place of pain. And he's, he's, his, his promise, like the reason it's a challenge is not just because it hits on her inability, it hits on her biggest insecurity. Come on. And when you consider Moses' story and you compare it to what God's asking him to do, it starts to make a whole lot more sense why Moses' first response was, who am I, instead of, I can't do that. We're digging it up, guys. Your problem isn't that you can't do it. Your problem is, who am I? Who am I? And if you look at Moses' story, see, let's, let's rewind this whole thing back a little bit and go a little bit of an overview. Did anybody see Prince of Egypt, like the Disney version? Give me a shout if you watch it on VHS. That's what I'm talking about. Back in the day. I love it, but I just don't think it's really how it went down. But I want to watch it again because it's awesome. Some of the music's incredible, and I love it, and it gets some good stuff. But let's talk about Moses' life for just a second, okay? So Moses was born. When Moses was born as a baby boy, he was born a Hebrew boy to, to, to a Hebrew slave parents in the nation of Egypt. And at, at that time that he was born, was in the middle of a decree from Pharaoh, the Egyptian overlord, to kill all male Hebrew boys. Not only are you slaves, but I'm going to kill all the boys because your nation can't get too strong. We can't go there. We can't deal with that problem, so I'm just going to take care of it here at the root. This is the situation that Moses is born into. Throw every baby Hebrew boy into the Nile. So he's born as a slave to slave parents and as a Hebrew in the nation of Egypt. So he's born. His mom obviously loves him a lot and decides, I got to, like, not my boy. And so for three months, she hides him. I don't know how she pulled it off, but she did, because she's Mama Bear. Shout out to Mama Bear. But once three months come up, it's just, it's not happening anymore, right? Like, you can't hide at some point. And so it says that after she couldn't hide him anymore, she builds this basket. She, she puts him in the river, and in, in the Prince of Egypt, that's like rescue mission. It's like, I know God's going to do all that. Like, yeah. And it could have been like that, but it could have not been like that. It could have been a whole lot more painful than that. It could have been a whole lot more about, I can't sit here and be here when they find you. So I'd rather just, I can't do this. His little sister, probably without mom knowing, is watching what happens. He's hidden in the reeds in a basket, and all of a sudden, here comes Pharaoh's daughter to bathe. And now big sister's about to see what happens with baby Hebrew boys. Pharaoh's daughter hears the crying, of course, from this abandoned baby and sends uh, her uh, maid, go, go, what's that all about? Pulls the baby out, has compassion on the baby boy because he's crying. And the little sister sees an opportunity and says, hey, do you need a Hebrew nurse for your baby? Because royalty doesn't nurse slaves. You need a nurse for your baby, your slave baby? And she says, yeah, that'd be great. So she goes back to mom. And Moses ends up back in mom's arms, nursing with mom. It's amazing. And the family's all back together until he has to be weaned. So at two, three, four, five, whatever custom might have been, now he's grown up in his mom's arms. And now, instead of being a baby that was abandoned, now he's taken from his mom and his family that he's been with. And he gets shoved into Pharaoh's household. The one who wanted him dead ends up right in his house. And Pharaoh can't do anything about this because it's, you know, daughter wants to keep the slave baby. So now Moses, whose name means drawn out of the river, drawn out of the water, 
is a reminder every time Pharaoh hears him talk, every time they have family Thanksgiving and, and Moses is down way on the other end of the table back where, where family doesn't belong but neither do slaves but they fit down there because that's just kind of where he fits. He's just this reminder, hey, you didn't get me. And Moses never meant it like that but he's just this thorn in Pharaoh's side. He's a thorn in the household of the one who's keeping him, right? And, and again, I know I'm reading into it a little bit, but I think it's fair to say that if uh, maybe like the only Hebrew boy living in an Egyptian house with a speech impediment maybe didn't get the most fond treatment from the other boys in Prince school. I know I'm reading into it, but, but, but I think that's maybe what a little bit of what Moses' life might have been like. So. Who, who's Moses? Who am I? Who, who's Moses? So, so Moses grows up here, and, and in Exodus chapter 2, uh, it talks about one day it just boils over. He's got this justice thing in him. He's not oblivious to what's going on. He knew he didn't look like anybody else in the family. I mean, he's sitting there at the family table, not, like, not looking like one of the family, looking a whole lot more like the slaves who are feeding him. The family doesn't really want him. The slaves definitely don't want him because now he's the one sitting at the table instead of serving it, and he's in the middle. And he knows it's not right. And so in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says one day he, he, he's had enough. He's going to do something and make a name for himself and fit somewhere. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And he says, not today. It ends here. I'm going to serve some justice. i, I, I got to let this angst out. And he goes and he kills the Egyptian. And he buries him. Goes plays the hero for his people. The next day, there's two Hebrews fighting with each other. One of them's beating the other. And he goes up to the one. It says the one who was in the wrong because Moses needs justice. And he says, why are you fighting against your companion? Like, you know, you can imagine the rest of the conversation. Like, yesterday, like, I killed the, the Egyptian. Like, now you're fighting each other. What are we doing here, man? Like, work it out. Like, y'all are, y'all are brothers. And in, in, in Exodus 2, verse uh, 14, this guy that he's talking to, he says, Who made you a prince and judge over us? Who are you? Who are you, Moses? You mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Who are you? You don't look like an Egyptian, and you're definitely not one of us. Who are you? Who are you? Who do you think you are? What are you going to do? You're going to kill me too? And it goes on, it says, Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. And obviously, Moses is afraid because now everybody knows he killed this guy. He thought it was a secret, but it wasn't. But I wonder if maybe he was afraid that something else was known too because this guy asked the question that Moses had been carrying his whole life that he thought just he was carrying, but now the thing was known. Moses had no idea who he was, where he fit, why he belonged, didn't know where he belonged, didn't know anything, and now everybody else knows too. Who are you? And he's like, I have no idea. And he's terrified. He has nowhere to go. Verse 15 says, Pharaoh sought to kill him. Once Pharaoh heard about this Egyptian thing, he finally had his reason to get rid of this slave boy that he missed years before. So Moses runs. He runs. He runs to a place called Midian. He ends up in the wilderness. Long story short, he ends up helping a bunch of sisters fend off some jerks. He helps them water their sheep. And uh, they go back home, and their dad's like, hey, y'all got home early today. And they say, yeah, an Egyptian helped us. Like, even in Midian, nobody knew what or who he was. Looks like a Hebrew, dressed like an Egyptian. I don't know. He's an Egyptian. I don't know. He's just a mutt. Just, I don't know. Who, what was your name? Who are you? Who are you? 
And dad, the dad says, well, bring him in. We got to feed this guy. Like, he saved you. That's awesome. So he comes. So they welcome him into his house, okay? So we're, 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 we're getting down there. He runs. We're in Midian. He saves them. He gets invited into their house. He's an Egyptian, but he's a Hebrew. Nobody knows. And now this is his chance to, like, not care anymore, right? So finally, he could start over his new life and have a family. He may not know where he came from, but it doesn't matter anymore because nobody's asking. It doesn't matter. Like, he can finally move on. Simba has found Timon and Pumbaa, Hakuna Matata, right? Like, this is it. Lion King, it's the Lord. He was content. Verse 21 in chapter 2 says this, and Moses was content to dwell with the man. Finally, he could just settle down. Not think about it again, not worry about it all again, not be misunderstood again. He could just start over and move on until God, until God, until God shows up in a burning bush that won't really burn. And now he unveils this master plan to Moses. And the crux of the plan means that Moses is going to have to go back to the two places he never wanted to go back again. Talk to the two people he never wanted to talk to again and deal with the deepest places of pain that he never wanted to deal with again. Go back to Pharaoh and to the people of Israel. God has a plan for you. And it's going to bless people. And it's full of purpose. Don't convince yourself you're disqualified because of your pain. God unveils this and the contentment that Moses had, it crumbles. The facade he's been living behind, it fails. And he's thinking, go back to Pharaoh and the people of Israel. God, I don't know if you know me, but, but I know me. Been there done that didn't go so well didn't feel so good that's a great plan God but I'm not ready I'm just an abandoned Hebrew baby in a river I'm just a half Egyptian stepson with a stepson with a stutter just a murderer pseudo prince slave guy I'm just a shepherd stuck on the west side of the Midian wilderness I'm a lot of things but I'm not ready Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God steps in and says this, God said to Moses, I am, I am, I am, I am. Yeah, you were abandoned, but I am your father. Yeah, yeah, you are weak, but I am strong. Yes, you are broken, but I am a redeemer. Yes, you have been crying out, and I am the one who listens. You might be a shepherd in the backside of the wilderness, but I'm the God of this mountain. You might not be ready, but I am. But I am. Don't expect God's plan for your life to avoid the pain of your life. Don't expect the plan for the God's plan for your life to avoid the pain of your life. Don't expect God's plan for your life to avoid the pain of your life. Don't expect God's plan for your life to avoid the pain of your life. He's way too good for that. He's way too good for that. He's too kind for that. 
And it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel kind in the moment when God brings up that thing that you don't want to talk about. You know, like the barrenness thing, the Pharaoh thing, the people of Israel thing, like the thing thing. I know it doesn't feel good, but it is good because God is so good. And God's plan for your life is not just to use you. His plan is to heal you. And don't expect it to make a plan for your life that doesn't involve healing the pain of your life. See, I need you to go to the top of your notes that you started taking this morning and make an adjustment. Last week, we started talking about dealing with beliefs before our behaviors. And if this year you're not going to hold back, before you can behave by not holding back, you got to believe a little different. you got to have some shifts in your belief system. you got to make some adjustments to what you believe. And I want to start this year with what you believe your identity is by the grace of God. Who do you think you are? Who are you? Who are you? And the shift is going to start with telling you the real title for this message, what God really brought you to church this morning, to write down on that notepad so that he could hopefully cement it into your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to cross out with a big X that not. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is what God wants you to believe this year about you. I'm ready. I'm ready. And this isn't just like, I don't mean this in like, look yourself in the mirror, pull yourself up by the bootstrap, self-motivate yourself. I'm ready. Woo-hoo. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, this is, what I'm talking about is like, look in the Bible, renew your mind type of I'm ready. Because when you give your life to Jesus, he says you're born again, you're reborn. And this year, I want you to let the Holy Spirit teach you to re-believe. There's some things that you don't believe about the newborn you. You're born again. Let's believe again. Let's believe again. I don't need to ask my behind the scenes who I am. I need to ask I am who I am. When you know who God is, you begin to learn who you are. When you know who God is, that's when you begin to know who am I. I'm not saying that stuff didn't happen. I'm just saying I'm crucified with Christ. And I no longer live in this life I'm living. I am living in faith for the Son of God who gave himself as a ransom for me. I'm not saying that I've been perfect. I'm just saying I'm saved by grace. And I'm just saying that, yeah, maybe sometimes I sin, but I am not a sinner. When I sin, I am just a saint who forgot who I am. I'm not saying that I don't have some well-earned labels, but that's not who I am. He who knew no sin became sin so that I could become his righteousness. That's who I am. That's who I am. If you want to know more of who you are this year, you need to start with getting to know more of who he is. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was and is and is to come. I might be weak. I might have some questions. I might need some work. But if I am speaks, I am ready. Do not hold back. I want you to stand this morning. Because you should have been standing like three minutes ago, shouting and jumping up and down in the power of God. But I'll get you stood up now. If I am speaks, I am ready. Do not hold back. This is your burning bush moment.
This is it. This is it. God's speaking to you. Moses wasn't expecting a burning bush. He didn't have Exodus chapter 3. He wasn't waiting for his burning bush moment. You know, like, God, where's my burning bush moment? Like, he didn't have preconceived notions of what it looked like. This is it today. He saw something that confused him that didn't make sense. And all he knew was, I got to turn aside to see this. And right now, this word that you've heard this morning, you didn't, weren't expecting it. You don't know what it means. You don't fully understand it. But will you give it the space in your life to turn aside? And God said, when Moses turned aside, God spoke out of the bush. Without knowing what this message was about, our team was praying before this service. And they said, I just feel like I see all these people standing around a campfire that's dying. And they're holding on to one last log. They think the fire is going to die. And God's saying, I'm going to keep your fire going. This is your moment. This is your moment to believe. Stop waiting on your behavior to line up. Believe first and let the behavior follow. It's time to shift. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're going to worship like we always do. We're going to have some people off to the side like we always do. And God is doing something in your life. Today's the day to respond. Now is the moment to respond. You might need to get something out and write it down and start reading it over yourself every single day. You might need to post it on the mirror. You might need to send a text message. You might need to go get prayer. You might need whatever you need. Just do it. Turn aside. Turn aside in these last few minutes. God, if that's you, say something. Say something. I'm ready. I'm ready, God. I'm ready for you to speak. I'm ready. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never been born again, you're ready. Stop waiting for everything else to line up. You're not going to get all your questions answered on this side of it. I don't either. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready to be made new. You're ready to leave it behind. It's time to leave it behind. I want everybody in this room to leave something behind. to pray for us. I want you to just lift up your hands and when I'm done praying, we're going to worship. And if you need to respond, just go do it. If you need to give your life to Jesus, go talk to somebody off on the side. But if there's something you want to know and make the declaration right here, right now, I'm ready. I want you to just raise your hands as an act of surrender. God, we're ready. We're leaving it all behind, Lord. We're we're leaving it all behind. The identity is behind, Lord. The question mark of who am I, God, would you settle it in our hearts right now? Settle it in our hearts, Lord. I pray that you'd come in and do what only you can do. Would you tell us who we are, Lord? Would you show us who you are? In Jesus' name, everybody shouted, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's worship together.